Hi everyone, welcome to Nom Watch Review, part of the Nom Talk Network. On this show, we review the latest film dropout or a throwback, celebrating a milestone by eating and drinking our favorite movie, snacks, and drink. I'm your house. I'm your host. Wow, I'm your host, Alejandro Cowing. Today, we'll be talking about Treasure Planet. Now, why we are discussing about Treasure Planet? I'll be nomming on some delicious uh, buffalo chicken. Uh, Philly cheesesteak here. I'm a little spoiled. Dry drinking some water and <clears throat> shameless plug, Pepsi Mango. Um, today I am joined by two awesome individuals we'll be discussing today. First, I'll be introducing Eric. Hello, Eric. Can you introduce yourself and tell us what you ate drinking or eating? Yeah, like you said, I'm Eric. Nice to meet you. Uh, back as a guest, it's weird to be on the side again, which is kind of nice. Uh, I'm drinking a seltzer water. I have decided to go no drink November, so lots of water and all of that see how it goes and then snacking on leftover halloween candy because i have a ton of it <laughs> oh, dude those things are great by the way like steph bought some before oh, i think i ate those in meal at my own oh yeah no no these are uh, addicting <laughs> excellent excellent along with us today we have kenji please introduce yourself my friend and if you're drinking or eating something as well hey my name is uh kenji aka you can call me the kenjinator uh I'm on Instagram as the Kenjinator. I cosplay. I also work on movies. Uh, I love film and animation. Today, uh, I just got off of work, but we had the Kogi truck on set today. So I got myself some short rib tacos from the Kogi truck. And I also got myself an aluminum bottle of water because don't go plastic guys metal is way much better it's so it much better for the fits environment the capsule core thing you got going on with the cap yeah. I dig it. <laughs> <laughs> right oh man well thank you very much i like the background you go i got going on there too as well yeah like you know like, just got up from uh, some studio work you said right yeah in fact if i don't know if you can see but if you look really closely in the background way in the back you'll see uh you can you might be able to see a minion leering over oh. north hollywood yeah but, we call uh, it the really sometimes <laughs> if you look really closely though you'll see super mario world being built behind me and by that man. i mean you can't see anything <laughs> it's really hard into the it's, it's just a really big concrete jungle right now <laughs> excellent well i digress with our our nativisms here we are talking today about treasure planet uh i'm telling you to me it's like an underrated film here i will shamelessly say mm -hmm. this is actually one of my favorite disney films i want to go ahead and see if i get you guys perspective briefly on how you guys were introduced to this film if you if you may um eric if you might start off do you remember like where who, you know maybe the whereabouts a time you were when you saw this film uh i was actually i think i saw it in the theaters originally when it came out because i was interested one in pirates two space like and it was just so interesting the 3d aspects of it and just the colors and storyline and everything so i was I, it was a movie right up my alley um yeah no i loved everything about it like uh even till today like i just watched it for this and i was like wow i haven't seen this movie in a long time i need to watch this movie at least once a year <laughs> oh god easily man i, I can i definitely get that that's awesome um uh, kenji yourself my friend do you remember like what about were about how old or like uh when you first saw this film so i was really fortunate and i got to see this movie in theaters as well i remember though like i was like my dad and i were probably like two out of like 
eight people that were in the theater just because like there were just so many other movies that were like hogging the box office at the time but honestly my introduction to this kind of lore was as a was he when i was even younger with muppet treasure island and then that's where i first got introduced <laughs> to that kind of the story and then i loved that movie so much i ended up reading the actual book of treasure island and it's like one of my favorite books so like when i found out there was going to be like a sci-fi spin on it like if you if anyone knows me i love star wars i love that sci-fi shit so like the second it was like my favorite book and my favorite like genre of films coming together i was like so for it and oh it's a beautiful movie i honestly it doesn't get enough love it does not get enough. No, a hundred percent. And I, I guess that will actually allow us to like roll into this, you know, start of it as well too. So um, just to give you guys a heads up, you know, what we're going to do here, of course, we're going to do our normal thing discussing the film. And of course we'll go ahead and kind of try to do this in chronological order. So guest guys, you know, on occasion we might digress a little bit on some nerdism. So please forgive us and we'll try to catch up as well too. Uh, that being said, uh, I, I like to say, you know, first of all, I, I remember seeing this film as well, but I saw it late. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't see it when it first was released in films. Uh, I felt, in fact, I saw or in theaters. I saw it a little bit late, and I think it was, if I'm correct, I rented it on a on a I believe it was VHS actually, because I just moved to Hawaii at the time being, and uh, it was kind of crazy because at the time being, it was Chamber of Secrets being released uh, in the Harry Potter era. You had things such as uh, To Die Another Day on 007. Uh, you had a lot of releases that kind of overshadowed this, and I'm not all shame. I will shamelessly say that I watched Died Another Day and Chamber of Secrets before I watched this ever. Uh, however, when I actually watched this, I remember getting it and I watched it over and over and over again. So I, I you know, once I, I can't, in my opinion, I can't get enough love in, in that regard. Um, now, uh, I like to start off to say in the beginning of the film, I like to go ahead and we are at the point where uh, it, it, to me, like you said, Kenji, you, you brought it up, but you brought this point up excellently. I remember actually catching up with Treasure Planet for me as in for being the Muppets <laughs> in, in, in that regard uh, because it was a nice little uh, reflection of the book that I actually my mom gifted me when I was like seven or so. So it was a nice little refresher and I thought a comedic aspect of it. So to see something about this, if I'm correct, I believe they said they tried a traditional what they considered a Hollywood with a, whether it was a 60-40 or 70-30 split, which it was considered uh, uh, the 60% or the 70% being the classic animation style and the 30%, 40% being the sci-fi retro look to this, which I think it, per, per, you know, looks timeless, honestly. Um, in regards to the beginning of the film, uh, Eric, I want to go to you. Uh, to, in, to me, it seems to hold that classic vibe or era to introduction to an adventurist style film. Um, to you, how was your initial feelings on the vibes of the beginning of the intro to uh, Treasure Planet? Um watching the intro to treasure planet it, it it reminded me much of like muppet treasure planet like you or R muppet treasure island um but like you're saying it just brings you back into that world of the classic story that it's always been set in and you're just like okay i'm vibing with this i love this but then you see start seeing those little things like um robots and a dog person and everything like that and you're just like okay they're twisting it and making it their own in a great way that um it's showing that none of these people in this world care what other people are like. Uh, and they're just all living together, cyborgs, everything like that. I, I loved it. And just how they brought the new with the old, I thought they did a fantastic job on that one. 
that oh that's it's an excellent point i i never thought about that the and i think the 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 relationship it seemed so diverse that it never seemed to be something like it transitioned well smoothly i i believe that that world definitely um the communication between creatures you that's an excellent point eric i never thought about that uh kenji in regards to uh the vibe and the introduction to this world the treasure planet and this the the beginning of the film uh what was your opinion and your take on it so i actually really loved how that how the introduction i mean even from like the walt disney logo that you get like it i mean first of all i just love that when you get like a, a really special disney film like a lot of the disney films were doing it at that time where they made their own personal logo or like the opening like i don't know like, like atlantis was like a wrought iron door and like you saw like an arc weld just like across to become like deep the thing like i think uh it's Lilo and stitch did their own version too so did treasure planet and so like it, it just immediately sucked you in and of course the first chapter of like the book is you know talking about it's it's the setup with like the treasure and stuff like that and i i love that it stayed like you know pretty true to the book you know obviously other than the whole space aspect of it, it really stayed true to the book. So I was really happy about that. You know, I loved how they introduced Jim as a character, you know, where, where you see him uh, doing those crazy, uh, I don't know, doing those crazy, uh, you know, the, the, the solar surfer, the, yeah. the solar surfing that he does. So like the windsurfing kind of thing, but like the, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Windsurfing with like the, the, with the jet, how he gets in trouble and all that stuff like and i that was the one thing that i i really liked with, with their with the, the characterization was just because there was a lot of stuff it's like because jim was a bit of a troublemaker but i feel like it wasn't really you, you really we, we didn't really get to see that a whole lot uh in like some other iterations of treasure island so the fact that we get to see like just such a badass version of jim hawkins it was i was just so happy like it, the visual the visual aspect of it was so great i love that it was also like a like like a little pop-up book in the beginning yeah you know it's yeah. like kind of like as a like it's the equivalent of us like having a pop-up book like a pirate pop-up book with like the little slides to like do all those to make it do all the crazy actions but instead you just got like this holographic book i i mean it's uh it, it there's it's just such visual popcorn it's just so wonderful no uh. totally and you know the crazy thing about that too as well for those to like and on your point kenji about having something to be like visual pop-up or something just to be like visually stunning as an intro uh to the beginning of it definitely i would say a story or a lore a tale that has the ability to still capture its readers slash listeners it, it does extremely well um i told i told steph repeatedly every time i see this scene nowadays i'm like oh my god i think of the halo ring when i see that initial concept of, of treasure planet and i know it's not yeah totally unrelated but you know for halo fans i'm like wait a minute that looks so familiar uh but i know it's like no relation in that in that regard but uh funny thing you should say that kenji in regards to his uh solar surfing or his windsurfing concepts 
I do know we were looking at some behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, producer Steph so it was fantastic, and evidently they had a planned intro for the beginning, uh, or an alternative uh, play in which it actually, well, two of them. First, it was actually having the adult version of Jim Hawkins speak about the tale itself, and not him, or not, you know, not having the original voiceover they had, or the one they went to, and actually going in, speaking about his life and who he is, uh, but they figured that that would kind of give away things, and I can see why they changed it, and I kind I prefer you know personally I kind of prefer what's going on now however there was another one that showed him actually surfing more uh, and doing crazy stunts through all these things and so forth and after that done he has this this the street kid come up to him and speak to him and he's friendly to this kid and it shows a scene he has a full conversation with him and it shows the kid's like great and he, and he all of a sudden his like tough mannerisms kind of slowly dissipate with this kid and this kid shows him a broken scooter and he's about to help this kid out and then this, uh, he's like, right, I got you. I'll, t I'll take care of you. So you see him about to break down his wall. And he goes up there to take care of the scooter. And the kid's father goes, oh, I got him. And he's friendly and takes care of him. And he says, we got it from here. And you can see it in his face that he's like, that father figure is really missing him. And then you're like, damn, dude. It, it's, it's really intense. If you guys have a chance to see it, it's really cool. If it, you know, uh, that intro in general. And, of course, we, which we'll discuss a little later, there are hints of him already, you know, showing a longing for a father figure. And. I dare guess a little bit, but in the beginning, we have the situation here now. Uh, once they did, you know, uh, to once the narrator tells the epic tales of you know pirates and going of the hidden treasure and you know that the the whole concept of treasure planet, we get in and we're introduced to Jim Hawkins. You know, a young Jim Hawkins at this point, as you said, Kenji doing gnarly tricks and so forth on his windsurfers, so forth, a solar surfer. Sorry, uh, we're in the sci-fi aspects of this, uh, and as you can tell at the moment, you know. As uh, Eric, you brought this up so well. There was beautiful, beautiful um, a relationship between you know robots, uh, alien races, and who we consider humans. I'm sure they're considered aliens to, to other people there. Uh, but we have which is hints of dog races, cat races, more and forth races. We have you know people that are eating slugs and 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 certain kind of worms as a normal delicacy and porridge as others. So this world seems to be really fleshed out and delicate. That being said, we get to a point where we can tell Jim Hawkins is a rebellion teenager rebellious great mind seems to be technically advanced and yet he gets got by the, gets caught by the cops which i find hilarious because right now how the cops respond to the whole concept of now you have uh, what's his name it starts with d uh, the the scientist that tries to speak up for him just for a brief moment you know the police officers wait are you his father figure and they're he's like well no he's like okay oh, then, oh, oh. then go home mind your own business so, you know, it's kind of classic, like, oh, government, right, here we go. <laughs> you know, you're, this is where you are, caste system kind of symbolism going on here and there. Uh, so now we basically uh, get to the concept of understanding that Jim does interact with the, which I kind of joke around, I call it a uh, steampunk TIE fighter. Uh, and the, you have this dying pirate, you know, Matt, what I call an epic turtle pirate, uh, comes to the point we're going to call him right now, um, explains the fact that he has the cyborg coming after him, right? So it implies that he has treasure in his plan, has ideas where treasure planet is, and implies that there's a pirate cyborg after it, and he ha needs Jim's help, right? So we understand that Jim's rambunctious at this point, he already got caught by the cops at this point, and he's running to his family right now, about to explain the fact and trying to help this, you know, pirate turtle get back to, as we can tell, I kind of skipped over the concept of making the fact that his mother works at a tavern inn, correct, or like a bed and breakfast. Um, correct me, do either of you guys remember if his mom owned this or just worked at this bed and breakfast? No, I'm, oh. I'm pretty sure they owned the Benbo. Oh, okay, excellent. All uh, producer Steph said it at the same time. All three uh, owned. Excellent. Okay, fantastic. All right. So we understand that she's working her 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 
derriere off of this place right now. And you get in this interaction now in the fact that Jim has already been caught by the police and now he has this concept of trying to bring this turtle pirate into you know their home. That's going on. You do have the uh, scientist himself, which name's Dewey, I believe, right? Uh, and you actually have him now, okay, cool, trying to speak up for him. Now, in this cluster mess of, of everything, we discover that before that this, I, I'm going to call him Turtle Pie right now, because he has a name, we'll get to that, I promise. Before he passes away and d- kicks the bucket, right, he gives Jim the map, or we, uh, uh, we're going to say <laughs> unknown map at this moment, and treasure, right? And it gets realized at the point that there's a map out there. It comes all digitalized, gorgeous, freaking, just, I'm going to say Matrix-ish like thing of this digital Star Wars map of explaining some really crazy stuff, right? So, now we know that there is an epic tale to behold, and that we know that there's a path ready to go. Now, I want to start with Kenji here, since we uh, had you second last time, my friend. Um, at this point, right, we understand that Jim Hawkins is there's more to him. There's a tale beyond there. Seems like he has a starting to of a you know of an event or adventure beyond him. What do you think of the pacing in the first twenty minutes of this film? Is it? good is it hyped is it told us like a prologue has it been you know too long what is your what is your uh, opinion of the pacing and and the direction it's going where do you think it's going from here so as far as like the first 20 minutes of the, the first 20 minutes of the film i actually feel are pretty solid because you know like we we get very quickly introduced to to jim we get introduced to his mom we get introduced to um uh essentially we end up getting our first glimpses of Billy Bones, you know, like we, like within the first 20 minutes, we have about like, like what, like two or three action set pieces. Like, like you had the set, you had the action set piece from the, from the storybooks. You had the action set piece from the solar surfer. And then you got the, the set piece where the Benbo is getting blown up. Like, I feel like in the first 20 minutes, like it's, it's, it's kind of a roller coaster. Like it kind of takes you for a ride, you know? And, and I feel like, I, I, I mean, I don't know, like personally, I think the so far in the first 20 minutes, I think the pacing is great. I've seen And for a children's movie as well, like shoot, like I, both children's movies, the pacing is either too fast because they need to rope the kids in or it's too long. I mean, shoot, I've seen, Adult movie, like let me rephrase it, not adult movies, like movies for adults. Because <laughs> wow. adult movies are the other thing. Uh, but but you know, like uh, you know, like movies for grown-ups, like they, they those movies are like you know, like I've even seen movies where the pacing is just absolutely dog shit. So the fact that a mo- this movie was able to pull it off so well without you know like compromising anything i feel like it's great like i mean i, I remember you talking about the, the intro the, the ultimate intro that you were talking about like as great as that sounds and i love how it kind of like gives us a little more insight into jim's character we end up seeing that kind of stuff with jim later on and i feel like that intro that that original intro would have actually really bogged the movie down in the first 20 minutes so like honestly like what we got i think is is just so phenomenal like you like there's like hardly any dialogue in that solar surfing scene and we get we know everything about jim at that point in that one scene there's no dialogue it's just him being just living his life 
and we get to learn so much. So honestly, I don't think I would change those first 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, it's, it's crazy. Cause I want to, Eric, I want you to, uh, to chime in on this, please. Cause it's, it's, it's interesting because all this being said and done, uh, Kenji, you, you brought up, you know, excellent point. Given the fact that when we get up, we went over and said, you know, what briefly happened in this 20 minutes. And yet in this 20 minutes, we were trying to figure out the pacing. And you're right. It seems to be like an emotional roller coaster going from the point where you're like, wow, this is epic, you know, lore of a tale. And all of a sudden it changes up a little bit to, you know, spiking a little bit of like, oh, war destruction. Because you see like four or five planets or ships, you know, explode and different, you know, things happening and battling. That being said, with that amount and that much adventure happening and, and that much, uh, action happening eric is it easy to keep track of what's going on and still be excited into the possible tale that's about to unfold for jim hawkins uh i think it is because i think they did a very good job of being like hey this 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 okay we're gonna calm you and give you feed you a little bit of the story and then we're gonna go back to the action and then feed you back story i think they did a very well job we poured a lot into this movie Can uh, hey Eric? Can you? I uh, I can't hear you. Can you? Kate? No. Hmm. Sorry, Hello? guys. It's okay. Hey, why why are we working on? Okay, okay. So why we're we trying to get uh, get Eric and by all means, uh, please chime in, buddy, just in case. Uh, see if we test your mic again, but. While we're working on this right now, uh, to go into the uh, pacing here, I'm sorry, I'll let you uh, try to fix that, my friend. Uh, but going into, uh, let's go into the concept of uh, going to look at the comments. Uh, Still do says, fuck, I love Treasure Planet, underrated. By all means, a thousand percent, my friend. This is something that we can all agree on in this aspect too as well. Um, now at this point that we're at, you know, it's the the fact that we have emotional roller coaster going on. We have a lot of information going on. At this point, uh, we do actually have Doppler. I'm sorry, I call him Dewey before I mistakenly call him Dewey, but it's going to be Doppler, Dr. Doppler himself, uh, being ready to saying that he wants to fund this exhibition, actually help Jim Hawkins himself. His Oh, there you go. I hear you. Perfect. Ah. Excellent. Hey, yeah. Woohoo. Fantastic. <laughs> now, continuing that, uh, just a side note on there right there. Uh, you were uh, talking about um, how this was actually being able to possibly, was it possible to keep attention was going on with all this adventure and stuff going on? Yeah. Uh, no, it definitely was because they did, I think they did a very good job at going uh, the adventure and then back into the story to feed everybody. Oh, this is where we're going. Give you a little detail. Back to adventure. Back to excitement. And they poured up so much into this film. Um, it's unfortunate, like you guys said, that there were so uh, many other films that overshadowed this because I, I, I feel like the studio did do a good job of being like, we're, we, we want this movie to be a great movie. We're going to put this as much attention and if more than all of these other movies coming out because they knew they had a lot that, that was coming out for them. But unfortunately, Harry Potter is going to beat a lot of movies. <laughs> <laughs> Damn that chamber of secrets! Ah. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're paying my bills right now. Don't don't, don't get on me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, no, no. The pacing, the pacing and everything and story in the first 20 minutes is good. Later on, it gets a little lax, but we'll get there. <laughs> I, I I like that. I like you said that. I like you said that. So we have we have this established now. The fact that we have this it seems to be the classic epic tale of lore of a pirate's adventure and treasure hunting. We seem to have the classic hero Jim Hawkins. It seems to have a overshadowing, you know, a little shadow of the concept of possibly being the bad guy getting the bad rap. However, he seems to be very intelligent. Seems to be really connected with family and just wants to get out of this everyday 
dredge of a job or the lack of a life that he seems to have or that lack of adventure where he you know gets. Now it seems to be the fact that him um being so he's uh, a millennial. So, I'm sorry? So he's a millennial. Yeah, there we go. Exactly, exactly. We can also tell by the soundtrack that was going on with this going on with that, that longing of wanting to go through the grain of life and having a Coming from the, <laughs> the wrong side of the track. Because I want a moment to be real. I want to get things I can feel. That is I don't want to feel I belong. You know, I think I listened to that uh, like the week of my graduation of getting out of uh, graduate high school. I was going to date myself a little bit on that one. But that being said, um, you, you have this situation here where he actually has, which I find hilarious, the fact that um, you have uh, Doppler now saying, hey, I have my excavation money. I have this money that I got from this college university here that I by chance can use and you know, help you out on this adventure. Now we have this, you know, this tangible evidence that something exists that uh, that can you know, honestly, you know, I know he wanted to go on adventure. I know that he wanted to go ahead and and help Jim out. But at the same time, I'm like. That would probably fund the money you got from your college <laughs> and then some, you know, back making you a very successful uh, traveler, explorer and so forth. So it made sense for him to not only have a physical connection to, it seems, you know, the Hawkins family, uh, but also one of a financial gain, which then makes sense because he says that he goes ahead and gets the ship and he says he hires his crew and he has an idea uh, to go ahead and start this adventure. So that being said, we fast forward. Uh, he exits. We see that they're now in this big spaceport ready to go on this adventure and uh, we see Doppler in his uh, big futuristic bubble of a machine like style thing which I find hilarious because on this planet it's really not established in this world how everybody's breathing without you know oxygen tanks or what's going on because hypothetically speaking you got planets they go to travel to right and then you got ships that are go out there and yet they don't require anything so i'm sure there's some really cool technological thing they don't explain so that's where my point five comes out on this yet but we're going to talk about that a little later too as well but you have them now uh having this ship um we're going to go ahead and he gets the captain and his first mate which I'm going to go into because I almost lost the captain of the first mate's name. Mr. Arrow being the first mate and the captain itself being Captain Amelia. So with both these people here, they seem to be the only trustworthy people amongst the people that have been working out here. I want to throw in a little nerdism here. Uh, in the very beginning of uh, when uh, Dr. Doppler steps uh, stops off the actual doc along with Jim Hawkins, they ask an alien a question. And that alien looks at him and says it's that direction. But when you look, there is a robot alien on top with a mustache, and the alien on the bottom has a little goatee as a buff. They're meant to look like both. Uh, what's the uh, was it baby producers or did I, what? What is the title of the artist or the? Uh... Oh well, I was just trying to do their title. It didn't have to be their name. Oh, oh, Musker and Clement? Yeah, Musker and Clement. So it was actually the, but um, I can't, what's the name? The producer, directors? I can't think of the names. Directors. Thank you, directors. These are kids. Oh, Lord. Uh, but you actually see the little, little nerdism. You actually see aliens representing them and looking just like the directors themselves on there, which is really neat. Uh, you get to that point where you get to the ship and you are introduced to them to some shady uh, crew along with the captain and first mate. Um, now, here's the thing. Uh, I read in some interesting little facts about the film is that, who the ship actually belongs to because hypothetically speaking if it's funded by the doctor himself right it belonged to him and yet the captain 
Amelia technically was the owner of the ship because the flag that was being flown, this little nerdy thing on it, reflects an emblem of the military she represented. So there's a big argument right now, we can go on this later, about who actually owned the ship and why was there a shady crew on this ship that was supposed to be ran by a government in the first place. So I'm sure we can get into that a little later. Uh, but now we understand that the guy ship, you understand that Captain Amelia and her first mate Arrow seem to be very, very, I think, trustworthy. I have very likable characters. It happens they were voiced by very amazing actors and actors. We'll go into that a little later. Um, but, uh, and then of course you see, you know, the shady crewmates. Now, when I first saw this film, I was oblivious to what was going on because I think I was so enamored by the animation, by the world, and everything around me. Okay, but in the beginning of the film, when this happens, after we're looking at Jimmy Bones, the pirate turtle that dies and croaks before he gives the navigation tools and you know, the idea that the uh, cyborg is after him, right? You notice in the shadows that. There's some figures that look mighty familiar if you've seen the film again and again and again. And I didn't realize that in the beginning of it. I had no idea. So now we are into this point now that we see them enter the ship and there is a shady crew. I have to start with you, Eric, on this one. Was there any inclination to you at all that, you know, that stuff was about to go down in the first place? Or was this just, uh, oh, there's just pirates being pirates? I, or is it me just being ignorant to the situation? I'm totally okay with being totally oblivious that there was tales. Or am I wrong? Now, we're on the first part of the trials. Was there anything that was given away that, that you know, something was up? Oh, yeah, no. Um, I think I've always thought once they get onto the ship, just the look. Hey, Eric. Can't hear you, but we've lost you again, bud. Okay, no, it's okay. Okay. Um, when you get back, by all means, please let me know. I'm gonna start with Kenji. Kenji. Uh, now we're at this point of the tale going, and we know how it's funded, what's going on. I, I, maybe I'm too enamored by the world around me. Were there any inclinations to you that, like, an adventure tale, like how, how this was gonna start? I'm having issues. Oh wait, hold on. Eric. Can you hear? Yeah. Perfect. Well. Yes. Uh, okay. Who's right, answering? Kenji, Ken, go ahead. Go right here, and Eric, and we'll go right to you after. Uh, um. What? Okay. So I feel a little bit spoiled in this regard because I, you know, I watched Muppet Treasure Island, and I watched, and I also read the book. So by the time we got to this moment, it's kind of like one of those like I, I, I know who these people are kind yeah, of things. Yeah. So, but I will say I love the character designs I, that they did for the various pirates. I thought they were great. Like, um, like, uh, the, I forgot what the, I just remember him as spider psycho. Mm -hmm. Uh, <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Go ahead. Spider psycho. Anybody go ahead. It is a okay. In this, in this point. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I loved the design that they did for Billy bones. Like I loved that. The idea of the, because in the original book, he's, notoriously known as the one-legged man so the fact that they changed him being one-legged to him actually being a cyborg i thought was a great twist on the lore and i was like oh hell yes i mean like i i, I just first of all i also loved how like i will say though the design wise it's very noticeable how it, it's it's really noticeable in the design because you had you know, Captain Amelia, who was very, who was designed very sleek, very beautiful, even, even uh, Mr. Arrow, you know, even he was 
tech, you know, even though he was like essentially a walking, he's basically Korg, like a uh, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a he's a walking golem. But even so, technically speaking, he's quote unquote ugly. But because of the way that he's drawn, there's almost like a like almost like a statuesque sort of like way about him looking because like, he almost like like almost like symmetrical in a way. Yeah. So like when you end up comparing him to like so when you compare someone who's like kind of like monstrous looking, but when then you compare him to like that that one uh, alien with the with the head that walks on its own and yeah. the torso that talks on its own. Yeah, they're own. actually brothers, like, oddly enough. But go on, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, 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 you know, and, like, you have, like, like the way that they're drawn is, I feel like the good characters are drawn with very humanoid-like features. Like, the eyes are here, a, a certain size. The nose is here. The mouth is here. Like, even Amelia, despite the fact that she's a feline, looks, you know, human-like in a way but then you've got like the spider the head that talks on its own you know like all these very uh, wasn't there even like this some little tiny like creepy little like uh uh pirate too that was like carrying like a big gun like yeah the, uh, yeah it's the uh, it was the it was uh the i call him a scout but he's at the very top of the mast he has multiple yeah. he has about eight <laughs> eyes and he has yeah, like multiple dang. legs Dude, yeah, he has like this little shotgun, the twice the size of he is. It, you know, it's funny you should say that, Kenji, too, because hypothetically speaking, while we're on this note, and, and Eric, by all means, I want to chime in back into what we're talking about as well, my friend. Um, but in regards to the fleshing out the characters and who they were with, you know, being, you know, being an alien race, and Eric, you brought it up uh, earlier, too, in regards to the relationship between individuals and, and the different races and so forth as well. It was interesting because uh, I'm going to just jump into this now. Spoiler alert uh, for you guys that haven't seen it. This is like a 20-year-old plus movie. So, But uh, that being said, um, you have a situation with the doctor, right? Uh, being, um, uh, I would say, Doppler. And you have Amelia the captain. So evidently, him being a dog creature and then being a cat creature are two different creatures, races inside in general. And evidently, it was explained in behind the scenes and cut scenes and they did they cut it out because they were afraid it would be too confrontational the doctor was the one that was supposed to be pregnant being a male style area and the female the captain was supposed to be helping impregnate the doctor which was interesting because it was brought up into like how is that possible because he's obviously a dog character and you know she is a cat character and they brought uh, as well as uh, 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 Long John Silver, or uh, John Silver himself, uh, or the one-legged man. Hypothetically, he was a bull character, and they went to talk about his race and so forth as well. A bull, a bull cyborg, which threw me off in general. I didn't know until I started looking at like little nuances about their noses and their ears and what they were, and I was like, "This is really freaking cool." So, I, Kenji, I couldn't agree with you more in regards to the amount of like obsession i had with the animation of who they were and how they were as characters um if i'm correct too as well you were talking about how the head could be movable and the, the body was self evidently they're supposed to be brothers in this crew as well uh the spider character there if i was thinking about it too as well is supposed to have a bigger you know background to the story as well um but it was really beautifully drawn considering the fact that um i did know the background for treasure planet 
I didn't see it coming for some other reason. I think because I was so damn, you know, tripped out by the uh, the sci-fi that was enamored to myself too as well. That being said, Eric, uh, coming uh, from someone as well, you're, you to be fully caught and enamored in the world, uh, we see that there is a possibly shady crew. We see the fact that we have a really good, wholesome arrow and the, his boss, his captain, myself, Amelia, the captain of the ship. Um, but knowing that you had people you can trust and people you were not too sure about, and they're about to start their journey. Um, what did you see? What could you see unfold for you? Do you think the story was still good pacing? Uh, was it once again continue uh, to be a smooth storytelling? Uh, where are you as your opinion about where we're at in the story and where could it go? Hopefully, you can hear me. You can still hear me, right? Yeah, I get. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Technical issues. Don't know what's going on, but. <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, I thought, like, the setup for this, like, them getting on the ship and the difference between who you can tell is good and who you can tell is shady and everything. Um, I thought the pacing was still good at, at this point because they're setting up that story, that story, that journey that they're about to go on. We all definitely knew something was going to go down. Didn't know how they were going to necessarily do that because this is the first time we're seeing a spaceship in space with pirates going treasure hunting so that that's what caught me later on in the movie but um yeah i know the pacing up to this point in the movie is very good right after this i think is where it starts losing its track <laughs> heck yeah excellent yeah no no i, to I totally agree at, at this point because now we understand that here we are uh, the intro of, I guess, the start of the tale, the fast world, and and that's that's the interesting thing about this. I'm sorry, I get a little um, uh, digressing here, a lot of side things, because just in the first, we're already talking about just the first twenty or thirty minutes of the film, and at this point, they have not even technically went on their adventure yet. We understand that now we're going to a ship. I, I, to me, I'm just hyped watching it. You know, getting the start of this here adventure. Now we're at the point. And they're starting the relationship. You're introduced to the Misfits characters. Ken, as you brought it up, you had the multi-moving body character. You had the Flatchwins character and so forth as well. Uh, that did that. He had the, the conversation with Dr. Doppler, which I found that very humorous and slightly cute in a sci-fi way. Um, you do, once again, have the people that I consider to be comfortable with. Uh, the first mate, Arrow, and Captain Amelia of the ship as well. But you can also tell Amelia and the captain had, an, or the Amelia and the first mate had an idea that there's some shady going on in the first place. They didn't like the crew that she hired, that 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 uh, the doctor hired. So initially, she was like, "Hey, I don't, you know, let me see what you're hiding, you know, what you're what you're using as a map, and I'll hide it in here in the cabin, and we'll just keep things hush hush." Um, of course, at this point, we are <clears throat> introduced to that lovely pink squiggly alien and silver himself in a sense so at this point i think uh, you have an idea of somewhat of a a feeling of who who's who or i would say uh a, a vague vague emotion feeling of what characters and where they stand at this point in the tale um so now here we are it which is explained that amelia looked at both you know the doctor himself or especially jim hawkins it was like look you know you're on my ship you you're gonna do stuff so considering the fact we see this character possible development character arc of jim hawkins being introduced to silver himself uh he also notices at the phone of the silver says like oh cyborg so i think initially he gets on the defensive in my opinion in initial interaction um he gets the opinion excuse me he gets the uh initial what i would say uh, shitty jobs of the ship of a uh, hypothetical swap the poop deck slash actually do the dishes and the lower you know lower the docks or lower the decks uh you know peel the potatoes kind of concept and at this point 
you see uh, Silver being his now direct boss of the ship of, of the lower area, and to see the cyborg's capabilities and how, like, what he's doing cooking, which I found fascinating, like, uh, in regards to how he was chopping vegetables and how he was actually cooking the eggs with one freaking hand. One hand, he was doing all that crafty-ass movements of prepping while he was telling a story with the other one on occasion, knowing what he was doing. I thought that was just fascinating how the, you know, the animation, the art, how they did that. Um, at this point, it seemed that the doctor wasn't really sent to do much other than kind of be you know, like the navigator on top of the deck. So at this point, they run into their first issue, which I believe is going to be the destroy the the star actually turning into a black hole, uh, destruction, and so forth, which I believe sets up for a tragic portion of the tale. Uh, I want to go ahead and lead this. I want you to Eric, if you can go ahead and uh, uh, lead off with this next portion here. So. Um, by all means, if you go ahead and introduce the tragic portion, we do lose possibly somebody uh, to where it goes from this point on. Uh, where are we at in the tale? How, how's the feeling of it? Because um, you have not only that situation, you have Jim Hawkins possibly feeling responsible. So uh, how, how do you think the vibes of the story is at this point? Uh, well, I, I feel like at this point, um, we lost pacing a little bit with that entire freaking song. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Their 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 bond. Uh, I totally forgot that that's when the montage that's happens. The montage right happens, before, yeah. before, uh, before the montage happens, uh, and that 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 particular song, I think uh, it it it, it lost me. It lost me. It's good, but it lost me. They I should talk know. about the 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 um <laughs> the montages. <laughs> The montage. <laughs> okay, go with that song and go with your montage, but not the entire song. Like, how much did they pay to be like, we want our entire song in this movie, just so you could can animate behind it? <laughs> I mean, I mean, Titan A, even Titan AE knew only to use one verse of the songs for their for their segments. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and then we get to this point, and it kind of just like drops us back into this big thing of like everything stop halt and so pacing this point is where my real big issue is but then the star blows up and uh they're all into action again we're back into the story um which i feel they did a good job at bringing us back into the story with the whole star exploding and everything like that but it was still a, a little pull like you have to explode a planet in order to get us back into track of the story because we just had a whole music video so no, totally. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh I, tragically we lose the second mate um because of the shady character which we all knew were gonna happen um dick and we, we <laughs> kind of start seeing that the characters and everything like that are uh the shady characters are kind of getting upset and um want to just take over now uh which I thought they would have taken over once they left port, but that's just me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I I think we're we're doing well at this point, except for the pacing. The pacing gets back on track at this point of the movie. Gotcha. Right on, right on. So as Eric said, we had the epic montage that was like the definition of some of our lives and some of us going, what the fuck's taking so long for this thing to end? But you do, uh, it, it's funny you should say that, Eric, because I do believe that it would be kind of uh, the moment that the relationship seems between, you know, Cyborg, Silver, and uh, the one-line one man with actual Jim Hawkins himself. I think that also the unexpected 
uh, father figure esque relationship um, appearing kind of prevented the taking over the ship in a sense. However, on that same note, Kenji, uh, we have the star turning black hole. We lost the first mate arrow in the situation. We see that it is uh, what I call, I'm going to call a dickhead spider. Decided to go ahead and chop that freaking rope and uh, left Jim Hawkins with a real identity crisis and the fact that he felt like he was part of something and now he feels bad. That's his responsibility. That has happened now. So, we are in a very, very dark time for said hero of Jim Hawkins at the moment uh, in his in his uh, story here. Um, obviously, it's feeling dark right now. But uh, to you, do you think right now this was a pretty good setup in regards to what was coming up next, considering the fact your knowledge of Treasure Planet itself? Or did you see some things that might have been some nice little differences that was a nice little, I would say, um, bridge to the next part of this Odyssey of a Tale. So I personally, like even now, I when I watch Treasure Planet, I identify with this version of Jim Hawkins way more than I did with any iteration of Jim Hawkins. And I'm even talking about the OG from the book. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, like, I don't know, like it's that speech right after they lose Arrow where he's like, don't you get it? It seems like no matter what I do, no matter what I try to do, I'm always messing things up. And like, I feel like, and I, and I feel like it's not just me. I feel like so many of us can have been in that position where we just want to do the right thing so badly. And we think we're doing the right thing so badly because, and only, only to find out that despite that we are trying so hard to do the right thing, the right thing blows up in our face, you know, and we're right back to where we were. And I feel like, I, I don't know, like I feel so many of us can, I have been in that position before, especially when like, like as I've throughout the years, as I've been watching it, like, I've just been like, dude, I feel you, Jim. I'm with, <laughs> I feel your pain. Like it's, I, I just identify with Jim so much. And it's, and also like, I just, I mean, despite that the pacing got so bucked with that song, like, it's, it's really weird because it's kind of like, how else are you going to really understand, like, like, really what Jim's been through in his childhood? Because, I mean, because we could have done it without that music video, but it's such a throwaway line where he's like, didn't your father ever tell you not to be starting fights like this? I'm assuming he was not the type. No, he's more like the leave home and never come back type. You know, like, like I like. So like, it's such a throwaway line. So to like, kind of get like a visual representation of it, I get it. You know, because you know, we, we you know it's Disney, and we kind of have to see some of that thing sometimes. However, like, and, and just ugh, some of the things that Silver says afterwards is just so really talking on the heartstrings you know just like that whole idea of like i see greatness for you i can see you standing there with the sun glowing behind you and when that day happens i just hope that i'm there catching some of the catching some of the rays off of you like that is like oh my god like especially i don't know for me personally like i'm getting a little emotional for this i always feel like i i, I do feel a lot like a fuck up a lot of the times so like the and like sometimes all we want is 
to have someone just acknowledge and say that we're capable of greatness when we've been told by so many people that we keep messing up. And I, <laughs> and I just, I just, I so like, so for me personally, like that moment is like, is such a deep moment for me. But I will say, but I will say the most of the pacing that I have issues with is when they finally get to the planet. <laughs> That's where a lot of the pacing gets. I, I feel personally as a kid, it almost because of the way that the pacing is and almost and, and the setting, it almost feels like a different. It's funny you should say that because looking at the com- look, it's funny you should say that because looking at the comments right now, still brings up says like, you know, it's great, you know, he's the you know same person that brought up the concept of the fact that it's such an underrated movie. Love the movie that says that he's a skateboarding nineties, you know, twenties teen. It's great, nineties two thousand teen. It's great, and and honestly, the reason why I think this comment's so great is because what you just said, Kenji, is that there's a lot of us that are in our twenties to our late thirties, uh, coming into the point, you know, that we related to this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have to shamelessly say that. Given, yes, Eric, uh, the music video messed it up. I was a sucker for the music video. I don't know what it was about the damn freaking thing. I was like, this is great. But at the same time, I was, a fan of <laughs> I, was, I was a big fan of Goo Goo Dolls and, and looking at, like, uh, you know, coming into Evergreen, coming to the concept of, uh, of like, oh, my God, Chicken Cherry Cola. We're going to other uh, ridiculous things coming into unrelated songs in the 90s and horrible things like that. So um, I, I definitely see that in regard of trying to find that moment because at that same time, Given the actual, uh, when it came to that portion of, I would say, the montage of the song, and also just the explanation of what the relationship a relationship was between the crew, uh, the captain, you know, the the pat, you know, just as before, you know, with you know, with everything that's gone on, um, it, it's interesting because it does do a decent. Uh, job in expressing a little bit more behind jim hawkins because at this time being we do do see silver about to dock a boat and the behinding of him with the glistening light actually reminds jim hawkins of his father actually leaving them so at that portion of him just and i didn't realize how much of a dick that guy was he just up and left the (laughs) often left the mom you know uh you know miss hawkins and like jim was running after him and literally motherfucker was like i'm gone not gonna look back not gonna look at you i'm out of here so I don't know if he won. Look, I need to go get milk from the corner store. Okay, yeah, exactly. I'll be back, he went to get no, some I'll cigarettes back, and never dude. fucking came back. <laughs> he said, "He said Jupiter has better Marlboros than than Venus." So I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go over here real quick. And it was depressing as shit. That being said, <laughs> no, no, no PTSD meant for anybody out there. But that being said. You have, we're at this point in the story, uh, we do understand that, okay, some shady shit's going on. Obviously, you know, uh, you have Arrow, first mate's not dead. Uh, Amelia understanding that there's some un, you know, unsure things going on. And eventually you get to the point of all these meetings that they start to, uh, you know, Silver starts to play his hand and who he is along with the angry shipmates. So they take over the ship. Correct. Uh, now the fact that we're going on there, they are trying to fight over uh, the concept of the map, the destination uh, of the map. Uh, guys, remind me, I'm having a brain fart here. What is the pink gooey? Is a morph? Is the name morph. the major morph? So morph. We also, yeah, we have morph that we understand that I just kind of mowed morph over. Morph the morph. That's a, <laughs> exactly. His right? species is, is a morph. Okay, exactly. He's morph the morph. Yeah. Yeah, Morth the Morph, uh, showing that uh, he starts to this point where we understand that the ship's taking over, that this little b- ball, this bronze ball's map, 
that helps them find the des destination of Treasure Planet is going on. And we see that Morph decides to go ahead and take this thing. And Silver and uh, Jim Hawkins has a, come here, Morph, give me the whole, you know, little, little, uh, little map thing situation after the ship's exactly taken over. And eventually we get the situation where the map technically goes <laughs> with, uh, <laughs> with, uh, what we're looking at Silver and his crew and now that you have Amelia duking out, you know, shooting out along with the doctor himself and everybody trying to get in the ship that takes off to the planet himself and now they take off the planet. So we have the doctor uh, Doppler himself. We have the captain Amelia right now that which looks like she's injured. He did the doctor did some gnarly thing and technically killed three of the shipmates as he shot some part of the bow that was initially on another part of another, uh, I'd say a, a Dewey or a safety ship and they fell off the distance. So those guys are gone at this point. Uh, <laughs> but that's only like three of 10 of the shady mates that are attacking him at the point. Um, so they then go down and go down to this planet fast forward because we kind of digress with a lot of this little uh, mannerisms, certain things that have uh, kept us uh, a little bit more infatuated the film at times. But that being said, we now have the heroes uh, Doppler, Amelia, Jim Hawkins, um, now on the planet where they then, this planet looks gorgeous in my opinion, it looks like something off of Indiana Jones meets freaking sci-fi meets, it, it's just fantastic, I love it. Um, and then we are introduced to uh, Ben that we find, Ben, 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 I, I love it. Uh, I, Eric, I want to go to you to start off with this, my friend here. Now, we understand this epic tale of, of the situation that mutiny happened. Now they're in this part of the planet. Where are you at? How are you feeling? Like how you are in the characters, the relationships that you see. What's going on for you at this part of the film? Um, I really did like the uh, between um, Captain Silver and everything like that. Like that father son relationship they have, even when he's attacking and everything, you definitely do see that, and it's it's kind of nice that he's finally getting that. And that uh, Captain Silver is honestly caring for this boy more than he has. He says the line, like, We're in, I'm in trouble now, Morph, earlier on before they start happening and everything like that. But one of my favorite characters in this movie is Ben, because I love Martin Short. Um, but it also reminds me of that movie Robots that they came out with around the same time. Like, just the way he's talking and jumping around everything like that he, he's my favorite like one of my favorite comedians as well just because he has great timing regardless of him being on screen or in uh uh animation or anything like that so this is the part where it starts picking back up for me because i just love his chaoticness <laughs> Not for sure, for sure. I know I, I totally get that. I, you know, I never thought about that too. The movie robot that makes a lot of sense too. And um, just you know, Martin Short, I, it can't be anybody more fantastic in my opinion when it comes to his voice. It was an unexpected voice to me. I'll tell you right there. I, I didn't expect to see him in the uh, or you know expect that voice or that epic of a voice actor be be behind such a great animation uh, character. Uh, Kenji, um, for you, my friend, we are at this point and now that they're introduced to Ben, the robot. You have Amelia. I think she looks like she's injured at this point, duking out, and Captain Silver and them are right behind uh, the crew, Jim uh, Jim Hawkins and his ragtag group. Uh, how are you feeling right now? Where? What's your opinion? What's going on? And what's being portrayed? Where do you think it's going? So, I mean... I mean, here's the thing. I personally, like, the introduction of Ben, I felt like, for, for me, like, I, I don't know, maybe it's, for me personally, I felt like Ben was kind of like that, was like 
the the obligatory goofy character that every Disney character needs, the bumbling slapstick style like humor. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Martin Short. I think he's absolutely fantastic. But I felt like the character of Ben was completely unnecessary because you could literally take out the you could leave him out and they would still be able to find exactly where the portal is, where the, where the treasure is. And this is the second that they set foot into it and start taking shit, they're going to know exactly that the planet's starting to break apart. Like they don't need this. They don't need this talk box telling them everything about the what's going box. on. <laughs> but, 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 but don't get me wrong. Like the movie, he had like some of the best lines in the entire movie. Like I've lost my mind. And also the point when he reboots and he goes, have we met before? <laughs> I want to call you Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> he has a, like he has a great, like he has great sense of, he has a great sense of humor. I love like Martin short as an actor. I just unfortunately found the character to be k- kind of useless. That's just my personal, that's just my personal opinion of it. You know, yeah. that's, you know, I mean, that's just my take on it. I mean, I'm sure you guys, probably see something otherwise i'm sure you guys love them absolutely i mean eric was saying he absolutely loves the character like i personally just was like "Mm." i I felt like a lot of the pacing in the final acts kind of revolved like like the like the the kind of like the the slow the pacing where it suddenly just kind of slows down to a crawl i feel a lot of it has to deal with ben that's just me. <laughs> how dare you be a human being and have opinions, sir? That, that, that I don't, I can't believe that you have actual thoughts and opinions different from other people. Now, okay. That being said, it's funny you say <laughs> I'm being that Eric finding the pace slow with the montage is somewhat in the beginning. And then you finding the, uh, the pacing a little slow with Ben being introduction. Now I find this fascinating because we're going to talk about this a little later. Cause I, I'm this. So please do not feel bad about any of this. Um, that being said, right. We're in a situation here that we understand the relationship going on. Eric sees the develop the mentioned the beautiful relationship being, you know, uh, being developed between silver and, uh, uh, and, um, Jim Hawkins himself. Uh, and, uh, you know, Kenji, you're bringing up the concept of, of that, coming into the the montage bringing the fact that it does explain that pretty decently uh, to some extent but at the same time uh, expressing the fact that it seems to be an emotional roller coaster because we got a lot of ups and downs that Kenji brought in the very beginning that this epic war is being told but at the same time we're seeing people dying that we think we're having some relationship with and yet not and yet you have the hero himself Jim Hawkins trying to figure out who he is as an individual because he has a lot going on in his life and yet he has a father figure that seems to be that you know seems to be appeared here and now a father figure same father figure seems to be making him now open a map to do something against his moral compass that he initially has it seems right now so um and now they are introduced once again to ben eric i want you to start here with this too as well because you have a situation here now being the fact that we are at a point of the story that ben seems to be a possible puzzle piece to connect the uh to connect not only silver not only hawkins himself uh but the fact that we also look at things such as the possibility of uh, discovering flint's treasure and where it's at and uh what this connection may be so that being said we're introduced to ben uh he seems to be that wacky lovable character that's going in right now uh kenji did break some good possible points there are some things that could be possibly done without him uh but he does bring that comedic relief to the to this this world now and it seems that he's missing 
something in the back of his head, which seems to be always missing that one thing that he wants to tell Hawkins and his crew as they're running away from Silver and so forth at this point. Now, I at this point, I, I really want to get to this. I, I guess what this is where, in my opinion, I also give this a 4.5. I gave it another reason for it, some things previously, but at this point, I feel as if the storyline is being pushed and forced a little fast. Um, now correct me wrong, Eric, I want you to start off with this here. We are interested in Ben. He has a goofy little montage coming in explaining who he is. We understand that Amelia's injured. We understand that Silver is on their trail right now, and Silver himself seems to be having a moral conundrum What if what he's doing is right or wrong. And we obviously see some hints of the fact that uh, Captain Flint is actually true and not just some kind of fairy tale lore for people to die and aimlessly search for treasure doesn't exist. So it looks like there's a possibility at this point now. Is it just me? Or is the story the pace seem to to seem to be being pushed a little bit beyond what it felt like in even pre montage and after montage of of what's going on in there? Is it seem to be fast? And if if I'm wrong, I'm totally okay with that. But where are we no. at this point? No, I completely agree with you. Um, ben, much like Kendrick, like you said, that he's a useless character. I I just love the character. <laughs> yeah, <but> yeah. <laughs> uh, his job for me is to push the story so much quicker because I don't think they had a plan on how to actually stick with who they had and develop it to where they needed to get. And they were running out of time. So they were like, we need to create this chaos character to just push. Because if you notice, it's always Ben who's like, hey guys, I'm up here. Or they would have been searching for them forever. Or when they go to the ship, messing up everything and stuff like that. So it, it definitely does speed up from the pacing that we just got back to um and that uh, slowing before uh and this that's what also kind of annoys me too because it is so quick at this end and you do that's what that's why the character's there even though i love the character that's why the character's there just because they're running out of time and they couldn't come up with anything more creative than to throw chaos in there to speed this up even quicker <laughs> no i get yeah for sure for sure now i see that because kenji because you brought it up and then and, and i thank you for bringing that i, I never really thought about that because at this point it does seem they do need a connection because even though uh we seem to have this portion here of well knowledge of the lore and of a modern day situation we're like okay cool here's these here's this captain that seems to be trustworthy first mate just died we have jim hawkins that has a relationship with the with dr doppler himself and just the tale of what his father or possibly friends have went to gone done in the future we don't know all we know is he's practically just the only child of his mom right now being fatherless so at the moment we have a shitty life or not not really orphan i'd say the father's individual kind of soul is trying to find something you know because orphans really he has his mother which in my opinion is it seems to be a strong woman right now it just seems to be a little lost herself but that being said uh at, at this point that we have here uh, kenji uh, i want to ask you here now we discover that this map introduces this possible portal opener that takes you immediately to areas such as <clears throat> Flint's treasure. So we then come to this particular area and we now see, because I'm going to start off with you here, my friend, a remnant's skull body, because eventually, I, I kind of skipped ahead of here, uh, Silver catches up with, um, with Amelia being injured. Their, their fights have multiple fights to get to this point where they corner him and they realize that, hey, yo, look, Silver forces 
uh, uh, Jim Hawkins' hand. He says, you know, do this or do it now. He just gets him in the corner. He's putting a rock in a hard place. And he then does the portal thing for a second time because he knows how this, this map works because he's just a brilliant-minded individual. just loves to solve puzzles, in my opinion. And we get that quick connection to the fact that we see uh, Captain Flint, his skeletal body, and his hand is holding what happens to look like the back head of the Ben robot himself, right? Now, as we are here at this point, it seems that we are now at the big controversial point of the antagonist and the protagonist together and trying to find a, what I consider a very unknown but still action-packed goal for Jim Hawkins. He just, he's in a situation now where it seems they put the device at the back of Ben's head and now it seems to all come back to Ben's about to release something. And maybe you know about this, Kenji, and I'll let you continue on this. But it seems now we are at the major conflict of Silver himself with his crew and Jim Hawkins himself and his crew. And now we're at a big boiling point into this possible point of a, I'd say, destruction. In the original book, it's that they get driven off the island by the, lo- by the natives. Based, uh, they have to basically just hightail it to the boat because the, the 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 locals are not happy with the pirates being there. Now, with that said, because we didn't establish locals in this movie, I was like, well, there's they got to figure out a way to come off of it. And I was like, once and so like once you think about it, okay, we've established that the the planet that they're on is not actually a planet; it's actually a machine. So, what's something that machines can do that you could that always happens at the end of the freaking movie? Exactly. Star Wars did it. This movie's doing it too. You know, so like, so I kind of, so like, it makes sense that that becomes the, like, that becomes the conflict that ends, that in, in the in the final act is the whole, you know, the the play, you have a countdown, uh, and you have a countdown, and you only have a finite amount of time to escape. Can they escape? And I do love the idea that I I do love how they ended up resolving that conflict because the whole idea was like, okay, we don't have enough time to escape from the blast radius of this planet. What are we going to do? And I just love the fact that Jim does that thing where he like he like he jerry rigs a friggin' rocket turbine onto a piece of sheet metal and he and he just and and we basically get a a reprise of what he did in the beginning of the movie and it's somehow even cooler this time around than it was the first time and i will say i just love i I will say despite the fact that the pacing in that in that the last act or so is kind of like weird i do love those final moments where you just see the the both the ship and Jim just kind of like heading towards the portal and he's just kind of like last minute like ah! and he pushes the button and it just and then the le- next oh, yeah, thing we see right there goes, it's, just, oh. it's, it's, it's just it's just it's just a starry sky and then you just see boom oh. and it just comes through and it's just I thought I mean as a kid I was like I was like yeah <laughs> like I was like the kid at the end of Free Willy I was like so I, I thought it was a great way to make it to resolve that conflict and i i think i you know it, i definitely feel like that's i it definitely works for this medium and this genre to have that be your final 
conflict as opposed to it being like, oh, we're being driven off the planet by an alien race. So I yeah. ch- 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 So I actually, I really kind of, in a way, I kind of prefer how this ends compared to how it, how it, it really ends. I, so. I like that. I like that you brought that up because it, it seems to be uh, making an ultimate bad guy that everyone could uh, get around and not feel as if we're alienating a certain individual trying to compare things to sometimes. So it feels good yeah. that um, that that can be put up there in that essence. too. I, well, I will also say I do love that this is one of the few movies where the Disney villain actually has a growth and an arc. Yeah. And and doesn't doesn't die yeah, at the which, end, which is which is interesting. You should say that because on that note, right before the after this happens, and producer Steph mentioned this before, which I found hilarious. To how he like epically puts his finger in the death and he comes out, and there's an explosion. They go through the portal. How the fact that there's not some molting lava and shit coming from metal out behind them and coming now in space, hurtling <laughs> behind them. Like, okay, cool, you got through the portal. But question. Is there anything behind you that flew out there behind you, and 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 what's gonna stop that from hitting anything else that comes out there? So I was like, oh damn, that's a good possibility. Oh, see, that's so, don't don't worry, it's not gonna hit any ships in the sky. It's just gonna it's, <laughs> so, it's, it's gonna just it's just gonna fall through the atmosphere. So, so hopefully <laughs> there's no trajectory of planets there as well too. But that being said, they get out of the they they are now like I said they escape that area there. Um, uh, Silver and Jim have a, an emotional moment. Silver kind of acknowledges to, to Jim at this point. Eric, I want to start with you on here. Uh, acknowledges, you know, Jim, that look, you know, you have an adventure ahead of your life ahead of you, but I can't be part of it at this moment. I have to go do my own thing. Uh, so we see, you know, his little farewell thing as well, too, uh, on that aspect of it. Uh, we now see that Jim goes his life, becomes a cadet, so to speak, in, in this world. Uh, materially wise, we have the Captain Amelia and uh, we have Dr. Doppler having children, which I think is like four to six kids. They can't remember. They have quite a bit. Uh, but it shows that uh, three, three, three. And so they have three in there, um, which uh, which is interesting because basically uh, a little side note. Um, there is, I believe, either a comic or a video game uh, that explains the name of all three of those children and give them uh, backstories and everything, in it, which is really fascinating, which we'll go to that a little later. Uh, Eric, so... Now that we see the epic tale of the ending, the very adventurous star odyssey tale of coming to the end, uh, we, we see that Jim Hawkins seems to be coming into a very uh, well-fulfilled life so far, or starting into it. Uh, it seems that his, his buddy, the, you know, uh, Dr. Doppler, and the captain himself are having a life. What's your opinion of uh, where this is headed, uh, the ending itself? Uh, was it a satisfying ending to you, or could could there be some uh, more possibilities? What could you what's your opinion my friend no it was a uh satisfying ending for me um having uh the captain and doppler get together and have kids because you see those kind of looks even when she's hurt and being like you have lovely eyes or whatever um i, I so i enjoyed that <laughs> she's losing her mind jim <laughs> that was adorable that was adorable oh, that, was great. <laughs> that was great i'm the one he's he's just like i'm an uh astrophysicist not a doctor jim I'm a, I, I, I am a doctor, Jim, but it's not the same thing as being a doctor. I have a doctorate, which means you're a doctor, but you can't do anything. You're just useless. <laughs> but I, I enjoyed them, the mom getting the uh, her in back and everything like that. But I do love the uh, Captain Silver and um, Jim conversation because you see that even he mentions it, like 
come with me. And he was like, before I would have said yes. So he would have gone on that pirate trail with him. Uh, but meeting him and being through all of this, you see his development growth into this like fine upstanding guy. But you also see the captains as well. And the reason he can't stay is because he is a pirate and he would go to jail for a long time. Uh, so he's always constantly on the run. But he does have, Jim finally got that goodbye that he wanted from his father as his father left. So it, it, it was very uh, good and, um, how do you say it? Uh, uh, they put a button on it, cathartic, thank you, uh, for them to for him to finally get that uh, resolution in his life. For sure. That, that's, uh, it's funny. I would never, I like how you put that. It seems that it has that, uh, uh, that nice little, little you know, send off, his goodbye to him. I never thought about the interaction between, like you just said, Silver and, and Hawkins himself being that, that goodbye, which is really great. Um, now, uh, Kenji, you mentioned this before. Eric, you mentioned this before as well. Both of you, multiple occasions, that this is one of the first Disney films that you guys experienced and actually enjoyed uh, the character arc of the villain arc of Jim Hot uh, of of actually Sil- uh, Silver himself. Uh, so, like I said, it, it's very fascinating in that regard of the character building. And I, I thought, once again, the world, let alone, was very well developed. That being said, we are coming towards the end of it. We went a little over tonight. Uh, you guys, thank you so much for you know joining us today. Thank you so much for your opinion. I know we can honestly probably go another forty-five minutes talking about you know the production value of this, why it you know did horribly in the box office at that, t- but at that time being production cost of certain things and transitions were happening. Uh, you know, advertisements, things were going. So once again, there's a lot of things in, in transition that we could talk about this. But once again, thank you everybody for joining us tonight. Uh, please, please, please uh, join us next time. It's going to be November 14th of this month, which we're going to actually have the host, Stephanie Sammeyer, talk about uh, the film Anastasia, 1997, 25th anniversary. Uh, so we are going to be really excited about talking about that coming up. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Witches Wizards, you guys are fantastic. Thank you for joining us, uh, You know, being here with us today. Um, Eric, where can we catch you on your social media, my friend? Uh, you can catch me on all social medias at heartless 7 the number seven um but yeah no i'm on everything tiktok twitter everything like that under that and you can find me doing my thing <laughs> fantastic fantastic kenji where we can uh, find you on your socials my friend so you can find me on uh instagram and twitter and tiktok at kenjinator that's k-e-n as in nancy j-i-n as in nancy a-t-o-r like Terminator, but with the Kenji. Like and if it. you want to catch me on Twitch, uh, which I sometimes uh, am on there, I usually host uh, a and uh, I'm usually hosting my dad's channel, which is when we do D&D sessions uh, every Sunday uh, at 3. Uh, uh, if you want to find me on on Twitch, it's the Kenjinator. So just put the in front of the other stuff. And um, yeah, that's uh, you should be able to... Look, you, I would uh, if I would love to uh, talk to anybody who wants to talk uh, nerd stuff. Right on, right on, uh, guys. You can find me at I A M C O W I E. That's I am Cowie on Instagram, or also that could be actually on Facebook. 
or Twitter, Crimson County, where I talk all my trash and shenanigans, or going to TikTok, which that would be also I-A-M-C-O-W-I-E, um, which would just give you an acting account and so forth as well. Uh, but guys, remember, uh, thank you for tuning in. Please just join in. Uh, be sure to join in our Discord to keep uh, the conversation going, as well to subscribe into all our platforms at NomTalk Network. Uh, once again, guys, thank you for so much for tuning in, and please join us next time. Love, peace, chicken grease. Never grow up, never surrender. Bye!